steadily, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Back to the scene of the crime, ladies and gentlemen. It is time for Morning Combat. Hello. Hi. We are back in the bomb shelter, the orchids of combat, whatever... Name you just want to call it, Brian Campbell? Uh, Luke, 100,000 YouTube subscribers can't be wrong. They this show can. is a uh, phenomenon. It's uh, it's catchy. You can't get it off you. No. Nope. Right? You nope. know what I mean? I it, mean, it is uh, yeah. It is a fungus. Yeah. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. It's Brian Campbell. We're from CBS Sports. A little bit of Showtime as well. And we welcome you to this Wednesday edition of the show. Like the video. Yes. Hit subscribe. Many of you have. Thank you very much for that, for putting us over the hump. Right? We appreciate our new subscribers who came on board for Wilder Fury 3 coverage just as much as our P1 Day Ones that got us here. So follow us, like us, subscribe, just as Luke said. And we are just beginning, Luke, not just today, but three days in the bomb shelter. Going to get people fired up for Bellator this weekend. Mm -hmm. Got some special projects to film, if you know what I'm saying. And I'm not going where you think I'm saying. I'm talking more about a resume review, brother. Okay, can we, before we do anything else, because we have... You know, advertisers to plug. We have content to get to. We have uh, Call Me Crazy today. Yeah. We have fan submissions today. And we have the wheel, by the way, on getting overnighted from the West Coast for Friday. Okay. Wheel of Death on Friday. That's what I hear. All what right. Hear. All right. Can we talk about your goatee? <laughs> <laughs> no, this isn't a Manscaped sponsor read, but Luke, I did forget. The one thing I forgot to pack was my beard trimmer and razor, uh -huh. electric razor for this trip. So, this morning, I was looking through my bag, and it, you know that little man satchel that Manscaped gave us? <laughs> yes, you know, I Great do. sponsor. Love them. Uh, they had the lawnmower in there. The, like the, <laughs> so I'm like, you know, I'm looking, I'm like, I guess it'll work on my face too, right? You right. know what I mean? I, so, I always um, think about things that cut testicles and go, I want to put that on my face. Yeah, it's like being in the shower, you see your wife's razor, you're like, I do wonder if my legs would feel a lot better. You know, let me just try that shit. No, just kidding on that. Um, but I tried it, and I... I, unfortunately, it's not—it's not a manscape error. It's a manual error, BC error. <laughs> I, uh, I went a little went a little too up and in. So I would have had to really justify it as like a. Remember in the '80s and '90s, it was cool to just have that part right in the front of your short hair. If, yeah, you know, yeah. typically if you were cool. Um, so what would you call this look? Like I wanted to try that with my thing. It didn't work would anyway. You, would you call this a cucked big boss man look? Uh, definitely not cucked. Unfortunately, I think it's a little uh, French teacher David Appleton look. One of our fine. Uh, <laughs> One of our fine uh, listeners. HR there. violation, David yes, Appleton. Yes. That one. As our producer has told me many times, you will catch a case. In, uh, Certainly might. Know, uh, as I and as I told you after my dream last night, murder. In fact, was the case. BC that on the me. way to the studio today. BC texted me. He was like, "Yo, I had a dream, and that's where I strangled the life out of you in front of your family." Right, it's not anyway. Extreme. See you at ten. But I woke up to a text from you, and I woke up from a dream in which you and I were on set just like this, uh -oh. doing the show. Uh -oh. uh, before the show, we had a disagreement about a segment, which direction it should go. And it got a little unnecessarily heated with like, bitch and that, you know what I mean? And then it got, but you know, and, I, and we were like unhappy, but it was fine. But then I was like, you know what? <laughs> Yo, I'm not afraid to kill you in your sleep. Like I will carve <laughs> you, bitch. And then, like, the staff got all, like, nervous, and they were like, oh, my God, and then they're separating us, and then we're screaming at each other, and you and I were looking, and I was like, I'm literally ready to kill you right now. You know what the issue and is? And then, no, hold on, and then we just started laughing, and then the whole staff was like, oh, man, it's like a bit, and I, and, and I let them think it was a bit. Right, but it wasn't but a bit. It was, it was, wow, it was yeah, not. You know what, that, this, is, this is what happens in a sexless marriage right here. <laughs> Things like this. 
So, uh, bottom line, Luke, it was a dream, not reality, but I will cut your ass. All right. Just the same. In the spirit of Halloween. Uh, All right. So, for everybody out there, let's remind everyone, if you want to try Showtime, because Bellator is coming up this weekend, we're going to talk about it today. You can go to Showtime.com, get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, do something else. And by the way, you get everything on the Showtime app that's on demand, plus all the boxing that they're doing. It's a great deal. Plus billions, bro. Plus billions. I mean, mean, uh, Axe's wife is pretty sneaky, right? Uh, all right, for merch like this handy MK shirt, you can go to morningcombat.store. I don't know if we have any promo codes today. I don't think that we do. Oh, people no, want to no know promo about the today. MK drug rug. What's the update? I want to know, too. Where's our Jade Dunkelmaker? I believe we're we're very close, though. I believe we're very close for that. I know. it's very. I'm almost becoming, like, Trump-like, right? It's like, you know, uh, I heard the people were saying it was bad. No, we are very HR close. HR violations and all. <laughs> yeah, we are very close. And, Luke, I have a feeling. Uh-huh. It's It's just a feeling, though. This shit's going to sell out within an hour. Can I borrow a feeling? This is going to be like Rolling Stones tickets on that Saved by the Bell episode where they were like locked in the mall and they were on the reality show and didn't realize they were, right? And they had to like camp out the night before. What time I have to tell you about the time I tried to scalp my Rolling Stones tickets outside the stadium and I nearly got knifed for it. That's a fun little moment. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, all right. So there's that. We have the, let's see. Oh, today we'll do fan submissions. Friday we do dead wrong. You got to get those in morningcombat at gmail.com. Of course, is the place to do that. And I am told to remind everyone, leave us a five-star Apple podcast review because we're trying to scam the algorithm. We want to pay you for scamming. We're we literally to- going to pay you to help us scam the algorithm. So $50 gift card to who can make us laugh. Leave us a nice five-star review. You can just make something up. Like, these guys are the best when they're talking about psychology and, and uh, you know, <coughs> evolutionary biology. It, it just whatever. It doesn't matter. But if you make us laugh, we'll send you 50 bucks. You know, this John Gruden email story really has me wondering if I should send your text up to upper management. You know what I mean? Like, my yeah. text? Yeah, yeah. Buddy, yeah. let me tell you something. If you send my text, I'm sending your text, which, oh, by right. the way, you're on the other, other end of those. And I don't think you're going to make it out of the Did storm either. Did you see either. Darren Ravel on Twitter today pr- protecting the Schefter situation? Basically, like, if, if peeing your pants is cool, then you can call me Miles Davis. And he's like, I always shit my pants. Yeah. Darren yeah, Ravel. Yeah. I know. It's like, who could, who could uh, you know... Who could service members of the industry quicker, Schefter or Ravel? One never knows. Amanda Nunes is a star, Ravel. Okay, deal with it. Yeah, right, there right. you go. All right, BC, ready to get this going? Yeah. I think I forgot something, I'm sure. Probably the, right. show, the whole rundown, probably. Yeah. All right, well, let's start with topic number one, if we can. Uh, we have an announcement, ladies and gentlemen. A fight. Not about the show, per se, but yes, there is a fight. <laughs> I, I introduced that poorly. Jorge Masvidal will take on Leon Edwards. It is set for UFC 269. This will be a three-round fight. On December 11th, for folks who may not know, also uh, Moreno versus Figueredo was moved to January 22nd. BC, the first and most operative question about this fight is, was this the right fight for the UFC to make for the welterweight division? Yes. Yes, it was. Okay. Because Leon Edwards, although he had the hiccup against Nick Diaz, Nate Diaz, excuse me, I will forever just mentally just screw that up as we keep going. Uh, even though he had the you know the hiccup there late, I mean, look, he thoroughly won that fight. How many more wins does he need? If you can't give him a title shot next, which you can't, because Dana, rightfully so, loved that, that Usman-Covington fight so much that we're running it right back. Uh, this is basically a title fight for Leon Edwards with the built-in revenge from the three-piece Minnesota backstage incident after the Darren Till fight. All the way through, Luke, it's exposure and it's money, and this is a big-time card. And while this may have replaced the Moreno-Figueredo trilogy, which is moving a month later, it, it, it keeps that, that card on December 11th loaded with three legitimate main event fights atop that. This may not be a title fight, but it's pretty damn close. And Luke, storyline flip-wise right back at you, 
Corey Maslow has a lot of explaining to do at the elite level. Mm-hmm. So that really makes this fight interesting. You're talking about catching a case. This guy might catch an L in this fight, Luke. Right. Here's what's interesting about this fight. Folks have been like, oh, Leon Edwards, what does he have to do to get a title shot? How many fights does he have to win? So let's look at his record very quickly. He hasn't lost, outright lost, since he fought Kamar Usman all the way back in December of 2015. Since then, he beat Dominic Waters, Albert uh, Tumanov, who was very good. Vicente Luque, Brian Barbarina, Peter Sabota, Donald Cerrone, Gunnar Nelson, Rafael Dos Anjos, he had the no contest with Bilal Muhammad, and then he beat Nate Diaz, right? Here is the problem that he has. He has two problems, and this is why I think the UFC made 1,000% the right call. The first problem he has is that run is impressive. There is no taking away from it. But one, it doesn't quite have the name on there, except for the RDA fight that could have got him over the hump. Fair, very fair. But the other problem is... So one, it's not, it's not that there's no quality to it, but it doesn't scream like he just completely got the guys who are relevantly at five and three in front of him. That's the first problem. The second problem is, um, and you know, it comes in part not his fault. There was that pandemic. He lost two years of his career. There's a lot of things that have kind of set him up in a way that hasn't made it easy despite the winning uh, track. The biggest problem he has, BC, it's not his fault, but it's time to fix it because he's 30 years old. Jorge Masvidal's birthday is the 12th of November, so he is almost 37 years old. 37 years old at welterweight is not typically a place where you see a ton of winning happening at the elite level. It can happen. I'm not predicting that he will lose or that this is the end for him, but it certainly puts him in a part of his career that is closer to the twilight than we are often comfortable acknowledging. And nobody knows who Leon Edwards is. The fight with Nate Diaz was good, but Nate Diaz kind of stole a little bit of the thunder since then. And more than that, the guy was off for two years, Leon Edwards. He does not have prolonged, consistent exposure to the American pay-per-view buying audience. If you beat Nate Diaz and then you beat Jorge Masvidal, BC, Leon Edwards is only 30 years old. Now you have set yourself up for somebody who could potentially be a star attraction. I think that also makes him BMF champion as well if he beats the back-to-back fights. Well, I guess Kamaru is now... Uh, yeah, I'm not sure where that lineage went off. Uh, Luke, do you echo, though, not, not, not here to, like, overextend and be a pundit and be like, well, just because Masvidal got knocked out by the champion, who's the pound-for-pound number one on my list, that he's necessarily going in the other direction. But, I mean, at the very least, I'm going to guess you're going to echo that Masvidal has questions to answer at this level. But are you rather ready to put the gas down even further and just be like this? I'm not saying this. I'm asking you it. Was Masvidal's amazing 2019... The very peak of what he can do, but not sustainable and not a true representation of where he actually is as a fighter. Um, here's what I think he's up against. Jorge Masvidal is a very, very talented fighter. He is technical everywhere. He is never out of shape. Um, I, even on short notice, he still tries to make a decent account of himself. And when he has a full camp, you just don't have to worry when it comes to the actual parts of the fight game itself. Now, you know, trading blows backstage, but in terms of fight prep, Jorge Masvidal is a consummate professional, and you simply cannot take that away from him. So what happened was, over time, by that 2019, many factors had finally accumulated to bring him to the peak that he reached. You're asking, is it sustainable over time? I don't know how sustainable it is through 37, 38 years of age at 170 pounds. That division is unforgiving, and this is right about the time, in terms of age, where Tyron Woodley began to experience some problems. He obviously got the belt late, but 
it was hard to hold on and to it even as long as it did because of his age. fueled that, right, Luke? I mean, as much as the emotion did for going away for so long, going on the reality show, figuring out the baptize, baptism breakthrough plan, all that, the activity fueled him as well as momentum. And sometimes you can get these momentum runs, whether it's Conor McGregor from 2015 to 16 or Tim Tebow for a second half of a season or Jeremy Lin for three weeks. Luke, sometimes you ride that wave of this is the very best I can be, yeah. but it doesn't necessarily mean that's who I actually am. I don't think a whole year is the same as Lin's sanity. I'm just Lin's making, sanity was a I'm few weeks I'm making proper crossover references. You know, really, my, my, my career runs since joining the show, Luke. I'm just, I mean, it's just... Uh, uh, I will say this, though. There's a, which, which side do you come down on on the Masvidal versus Usman fight, which is to say... Did he lose via KO because he just went up against a guy who is generationally great? Or did he, not just did he lose, did he get KO'd because the, the age and the division and the skill gap is beginning to present itself to be a problem? The easy him? answer would be yes to all, Luke, but I think it's more the latter, or more the idea of he lost the momentum. And the momentum was most lost, in my opinion, by taking that first Usman fight on short notice and then getting to a point in it where he's sort of like, I don't have the stamina to really win this fight. I can suck kind of safe face and, you know, maybe he'll get bigger fights off of it and he end up getting the rematch off of it. So kudos to him on that. Mm -hmm. But I think that with the time off really stuffed out his momentum. So my real answer is maybe that's what great champions and Usman is proving without question that he is one. Maybe that's what they're supposed to do to someone who is the level of Jorge Masvidal. Then again, that 2019 wasn't really who he is, Luke. You're going to get a lot of hate from me saying that, but maybe that's where it's headed. I, I don't, okay, so I'm not here to say all that's wrong, but I guess I'm trying to get clear, clarity on this. What about 2019? You're not saying it's fraudulent. No. But what are you saying about the, what you can ascertain about Masvidal? Well, it was from the tail experience? end of his physical prime, which made it possible. So part of the unable to keep that up is just what we're talking about, that he's getting older. But I think it was also the, the activity level keeps you so sharp. And when that activity level is mixed with the come-from-behind wins like he had against Till, mixed with the almost accidental, holy crap, look what I just did to Ben Askren, it certainly can raise the look of it to a level that it might not actually be. But in that season, it also can raise your ability level to do things you didn't think you probably you, you could. But if you if you back that up with age and activity, which he has, you, you can't sustain that. You can't sustain that. You know, it's sort of, look, it's the equivalent of you and I as functioning adults who every five to six, seven years go, you know what, man, I really got to get in shape. Like, this is, this is too much. I don't want to be, like, I don't want to look like this in pictures anymore. And then maybe, dude, maybe you find that run at, like, age 44 and you start running distance and you're, like, doing 10Ks and you're, like, you know what, this is it, man. This is my freaking, this is what I got left for my physical everyday peak. And you get into great shape and you look great. But you know what, a couple years later, look, you're going to get fat again. Okay, because that's not sustainable, Luke, okay? It's sustainable for a, that dress you have to fit into you for your wedding or to go look good at your high school reunion and try to pretend you aren't that guy on those Facebook pictures, but um, it's not sustainable. I feel like you're in a little projection going on. Or... I mean, what I can't figure out if, is what if I just said was like literally the most brilliant thing ever or just absolutely ridiculous. L you know? Little column A, column B. Okay. The one thing I think you could say in Jorge Masvidal's defense anyway is that, dude, the... The reality was that Kamaru Usman fight was always a bad matchup, right? He was never going to win in the wrestling department. You knew that going in. Look at the odds ahead of time. Find anybody who does any analytical work and see how they had picked pre-fight. You just felt like Jorge Masvidal was up against it. BC, the, the part that really took a turn about questioning what Masvidal had left was that he didn't just lose the fight, which was somewhat expected, 
but then he got viciously KO'd. Yes. That was the difference. He had never been, he'd been stopped, I think, before, but he had never been stopped like that. He had never been completely one hit or quitter by a guy he was expected to be wrestled by. And so that has precipitated the questions. I still will say this, dude, this is a tough fight for Jorge Masvidal to win. Style-wise, it is a yeah. very tough fight. I don't think folks understand. Leon Edwards doesn't wow you with a huge power. He doesn't have the, the, the game's best jujitsu. He doesn't have Khabib-like wrestling. But what he does have is this ability to manage rounds, to manage risk, to manage distance, to only get enough into position to win it but never overcommit, and to stall you out and to control you. It doesn't wow you. Like, oh, my God, look at this. But when the, it comes time to tally the judges' scorecards, his name comes up with the 10 more often than the 9. I mean, it's it's speed and accuracy. It's all the things that are designed for you not to look good against. So do you have to ask yourself if this is the right move for Masvidal right now? If, if this is him saying, look, maybe I got one more run in me, then this is the guy you have to go through. And then when you add in the storyline of what they had, we had to cash in on this. There's pro wrestling, right? You got you to gotta cash in on, on, the, uh, on what happened backstage. But it's not a great style matchup for him at his age. Should Masvidal be looking for bigger names? into fights that he can win. Well, here's the problem with Masvidal's situation. He obviously you know, changed his fortunes in good form. He made a bunch of money, and that was long overdue. But the situation he has now is, dude, he didn't just lose the fight to Kamara. Go back to it again. He got viciously stopped. So if you're the UFC, you have a choice to make here. What is your choice? Well, you could give him another title shot. No, that's not going to happen. Is there another contender you could give him that would make sense, right? Where, it, you know, again, he's going to be 37 in November. You have another guy, maybe he's a little bit younger, who might deserve it. Uh, Wonderboy Thompson lost as well, so you, there's no rematch there you could do. Colby's on the way up. How about you just v- rematch Nate? Vicente Luque, you could do that, I thought. That's a possibility. Um, but, dude, that's a, like, if you're Nate, what fight is more winnable? Let's say you're, 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 Nate calls you up and says, BC, give me your advice. Do I take the Luque fight in terms of winnability? Do I take the Luque fight? Do I take a rematch with Masvidal? What do you say? I say it depends on what your plans are after your contract because the Luque fight is supposed to be the last fight of his current deal, which could mean him just saying, look, I just want to get out of this deal and go do other things or have more leverage. This is a guy who style-wise I know it's going to be the kind of fight I want, so maybe I just fight Luque and it is what it is. And if I win, and that could lead me to a bigger contract and more opportunities, that's great, but I'm also willing to go in that direction. If that's the case, then that's fine. But if it's not, Masvidal's a, a, probably a... a it's more lucrative and it's a better fight. No, no, in terms of winnability, just winnability. Even just winnability as well. Um, with Masvidal not being at the same level that he was when they first met, I think that's 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 more winnable for Nate. I, 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 t- I tend to think I don't know what the answer is, but I think that his team believes that the Luque fight is more winnable. That w- not, Which isn't to say that Luque isn't, uh, you might rank him higher than Masvidal, you might favor him to beat Masvidal, but there's a question of like one, Masvidal kind of knows what he's up against. He had three full rounds, basically, to deal with this guy. I believe that's right. They fought three rounds or whatever it was, pretty close to that. You haven't fought Luque yet, and Luque might take some risks to kind of put on a show, which could then create an opportunity. I, I get your, I get your angle Nate. on that. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to figure out why they would go one direction versus the other. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, not, it's not that you're wrong. It's not that you may be right in the end, but um, I take the money against Jorge. Do you think, do you, but this isn't on a rundown, but do you think Nate's looking to get out or just get more money? Here's the thing. Where's he going to go outside of celebrity boxing to get more money? Right, it's like you get one. You probably get one unless you get a great fight and you get a rematch. But you get like one Jake fight out of that if you do. But that. if you're if you stay with UFC, you know your problems that you've been railing against for a decade now they just they don't go anywhere. Could he get stupid money from Bellator, which has history with Scott Coker and Strikeforce and Showtime and all that? 
or another, or, you know, or a PFL or whatever, could he get comparable money for the type of money fights that he gets in the UFC? For Dude, the- who would he fight in Bellator where he could sell 500,000 pay-per-view buys? Semtex? AJ McKee? Nah, no. No, he's nah. too small. No, too small in brand or in no, AJ McKee and Nate Diaz? Yeah, they're featherweight versus a welter. I mean, uh, you, you, well. That could be the equivalent of strike. Maybe a 155. Is that the equivalent of strike versus Nick Diaz versus Frank Shamrock? Nate Diaz going and, and sort of. A, maybe a little, a little bit. Just pointing out, if you're Nate Diaz, you do have maybe one or two potential big fights outside of UFC, but it's not clear what other partner you could go to beyond that to, to, to make a bunch of money. So it's an interesting one. But in any case, Masvidal versus Leon Edwards, UFC 269, should be a great one just the same. By the way, any issue with the Moreno and Figueredo fight being moved? No. It's fine, They're looking right? at Anima, Anaheim, I believe, Ariel reported, and Dana echoed that that's, that could be the move. Um, no? I'm good with that, Luke. All right. Let's go to topic number two, if we can. Colorado, the State Athletic Commission in Colorado, has approved the use of open scoring. Eric McGracken is a lawyer, combat sports lawyer. Well, he's more than that, but he does cover combat sports. Tweeted, quote, Colorado just approved policy to allow them to use open scoring in combat sports, of course. But more to that point, he had made a big article about why it's relevant. Mark Murmundi did some reporting on this for ESPN as well. For folks who may not know, a very brief explanation. Open scoring is the idea that rather than the judges' scores being tallied all together at one time at the very end of the fight, and then the scores being read one time to the audience, to the fighters, to the fans, they are given to the fighters on each corner after each round. And when I say that, I mean the corners you get them and then they tell the fighter ostensibly, right? If you're going to give them the corners, you might as well put it up on a scoreboard somewhere, right? Exactly. And there's other ways you can do it. Um, if you go back and watch the Canelo versus Austin Trout fight, they did it one time after the eighth round. Well, that was because the WBC, for, for a stretch, had that option where a promoter at any point could kick in that option. Right. That was one where they both agreed to it, just happened to be a very high-profile fight for it. Now, the issue here is the same. If you go to Colorado and you stage an event, you are not required to use open scoring. It is elective if the promoter wants it. Okay, BC, Yes. is this a positive development for mixed martial arts, or is this a regression? I think it depends on where you stand on open scoring. So this makes Colorado the second state along with Kansas, and I think, what, Invicta has done some experimentation mm-hmm. with that mm-hmm. in Kansas with that. Um, Luke, th- this topic's been around in boxing because of that WBC thing, you know, which, but you don't see it a lot in fights. I don't even know if it's still a rule with WBC. So it's the same debate to me. I don't look at this as... As a negative, are you are you are you putting this part of the news into that overall one championship rule that gets approved in Colorado, Mark Ratner thing, or are you talking just about open scoring? Uh, column A and column B, both actually. Okay, because I think I think the column stories. three it just doesn't have a lot of fire anymore. The Mark Ratner thing to me, you know, like okay, turning on Colorado doesn't oh, like the rule does. changes. Okay, cool, they barely go to Colorado, is what I'm saying. But that's is. not the point. I get what I get. It. other states from doing it. I think it, this is more of a debate on, on open scoring, and um, I don't like it for boxing. Could it change UFC and, and big-time elite MMA in a positive way, Luke? Sway me on that. Please, sway me on that. Well, here's the thing. Number one, let me just say something about the Mark Ratner story, and we could put it to bed because I agree there's a bigger story here. But what I would just say is currently the, the UFC has been investigated twice by the Federal Trade Commission. They are being sued for many things, but part of the claim they're being sued by is that they are a monopoly. This, this lawsuit has not been dismissed. It continues to go forward when a arguable monopolistic power vocally says on the record, we're not going to go to a state that doesn't um, that allows rule sets that would allow our competitors to offer a meaningfully different product. You should probably pay attention to that. Now, that aside, talking about the open scoring, here is my view on open scoring, because I just mentioned the Canelo Trout fight. If you watch that fight, what you end up learning is after they read the scores, 
It was a very competitive fight. In fact, by that time, even though Trout had been dropped in the seventh, could you argue that Trout was winning that fight by the ninth round? Even though the judges didn't end up seeing that way, and even could the, the on-camera score, Showtime scores, I was one of those people who scored it in real time for Trout, right. barely. And yes, you could have argued it, which in this case, it, open scoring only exposed Texas for the Texas right. fraud. So what it's, happened in that fight was, here's the story. It was very competitive. You could have had it a lot of different ways, but it was a competitive-ass fight. And they read the scores after the eighth round. One judge had it 80 to 71 for Canelo, which I can only say is what? Impossible. It's nine rounds it's to one plus a yeah. knockdown. Yeah, it's, or seven it's, rounds to one plus a knockdown. It's basically not possible. And so they were clearly just mailing it in, and it deflated the fight completely because now Canelo knows he's going to win basically no matter what. doesn't have finishing power. And so Trout, it, just, you know. it ruined the fight at the yeah. end there. Okay, so here's my point. Using that as an illustrative example, I am perfectly willing to entertain the idea that maybe open scoring is bad, that maybe it actually, in representing and in holding dear the fan experience, ruins it for everyone. Fighters love the idea of open scoring because they're begging for transparency, which I think on its own terms is actually a pretty strong argument. Most of the arguments against open scoring are less like we don't need transparency, it's more about Dude, what should the fan experience be here? If we are, we, this is a spectator sport. We are selling tickets to this. Yeah. It has to have an entertainment quotient built in. Does open scoring ruin that? And my answer is, BC, I don't think anyone has made the definitive case either way. But when states allow this and regional promoters begin to use this, now we can make broader claims about what happens in fights when you have open scoring. It's the attempt that I support, not open scoring per se. Maybe it's because boxing has more rounds, so there's more suspense built into how did you interpret those rounds, where MMA has three rounds and they're five minutes, so I guess in theory that can make it easier to determine a winner, although you can obviously just flip the opposite and say it makes it harder. But in boxing, I like from the built-in entertainment, it's like a selfish, nostalgic feeling here. I like the built-in of not knowing who's going to win, and then you add in the... Did they get screwed? Is there some corruption there? And I know you're going to say, okay, you're just supporting corruption. No, I've always said, you make the referees and the judges and the commission members accountable after every fight, bring them out in the press conference to the media and have to explain it. I think you will weed out the bad judges. I think you will not be able to constantly have corruption because it would be so in your face putting them up in front of the media that it would fix itself. They don't want to do that. That's fine. So I don't want it for boxing. That's my take. Mixed martial arts, though, I think is just a little bit different. Luke, would it kill that? Would it kill that same experience of not knowing? So maybe you you still don't tell the crowd who won the last round until you read this, the results. So in close fights, you still would have that suspense, right? Mm -hmm. um, would it improve the action if a fighter that isn't a natural finisher realized that now they have to? That's the real question here, right? Right, uh, dude. There's a lot of ways this could shake out. It could shake out. Right along the lines of your theory, which is maybe in fights that go 10, 12 rounds, open scoring kind of ruins things, especially when you get like the old Texas fuck off job and you're, you know, you're nine rounds down. You're like, what am I going to do at this point? Maybe it works better for MMA, not as well for boxing, especially for three round MMA. That's one possibility. Another possibility is it doesn't make any effect noticeably one way or the other in terms of deterring or incentivizing action, but it provides great transparency to the, to the fighters. Again, when the fighters make claims like, hey, we deserve transparency, I don't, I don't really know how to argue well, against that. We deserve money. Why, so make the argument. Why are fighters who are competing out there potentially risking their lives, why are they not entitled to scoring 
transparency. No, I'm saying they're entitled to fair pay. Uh, you know, that's really what I'm saying. It was a. But what? Okay, but are you saying? But in regards to open scoring, um, are they? Are they? I don't know if they're necessarily owed that. I think I would like to see an experiment. Would you even like to see the UFC? Um, go to certain states and try it out yes. for real fights. So this has been my argument. Or maybe all... bring it on the Dana White Contender Series yes. and experiment. It. Yes, know. it's again, the idea is not that we are explicitly endorsing open scoring. What we are endorsing is we just don't have enough information to make a call. And, dude, you know how it goes. Once you put that into the rule books, Colorado notwithstanding, yeah. it's going to stay there a long-ass time. So you want to move in with the girl before you commit. That's right, dude. You I want to say, I want to, I want to, you know. You want to live in sin. I want to live in absolute garbage sin to see what it's like. Then once we have some information about it, dude, um, Guillermo Cruz for MMA Fighting wrote a story about how some promotions in Brazil try to combat uh, extreme weight cutting and people are not making weight and they use a penalization system uh, with, I think there's some places that have, sorry, he went into a whole penalization system. So he looked at like yellow cards and red cards. He looked at taking a point from fighters who missed weight before they even competed. And what they found was in certain cases, if you took points from fighters who did not make weight, it didn't necessarily change weight cutting in terms of making it worse. And it did have an effect in the fights. They were actually kind of able to notice that, but they would not have been able to get that information but for the laboratory that enabled it. I am saying Colorado has opened the door for us to have a much better sense of things, but we just need promoters to go and try. UFC should have done this. Remember they were doing on Fight Pass all the Singapore shows? Yes. They missed a golden opportunity to try it there when they were their own sanctioning body. They could have had all this data to make a decision, and they just said, fuck it, we're Look not going to do it. progressive-ass Colorado. They gave, they gave the MMA world Chuck Mindenhall, and now they're continuing to give. Right? Yes, and weed has yeah. been, uh, I mean, at the times I have tried marijuana in Colorado, wow. Wow. It'll wow. lift you out your shoes and socks in that bitch. Um, anyway, anything, <laughs> any, any, Can we get uh, more coffee on as, set here? As, or as Reef the Lost please. Cause says, that bitch will have you dancing with yes. the stars like Rick yes. Fox. yes. Luke, would you like to welcome a member of our staff on to fill this cup? Is this the... There's not a bit here. This is just... the drug dealer? This is just regular life. You know, this is, uh, this is how we... Oh, do. yeah. Let's get... Dude, in high school, before COVID I think even HIPAA existed. laws would prevent you from... Actually, I can't make this okay, joke. Okay, Luke. I can't I make this joke. Saying. Oh, this is our producer, Ashley. Thank you. Wow, Thank I'm you so surprised much. Ashley doesn't have a mask on. I could have poured it myself. I'm not trying to reverse gender roles or anything. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. I don't much. need any more coffee. I'm good. Thank you. He's like, you may put COVID in it. Yeah, probably. I bet you did. Thank you. Thank All you, right. Ashley. Right. You're fired. Get out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Topic number three. Uh, this is a serious one. I don't really know the best way to introduce it, so I'll just do the best I can. Do we have a domestic violence problem in combat sports? We might. We might. So here is what has happened recently. And this is when I say combat sports, I don't just mean MMA. We had several situations happen. John Jones recently getting arrested for and charged with uh, misdemeanor domestic violence. But there's a police report and a 911 call you can hear to add to that if you'd like to. Chuck Liddell was arrested. He put out a statement saying, wait until all the facts are out. Fair enough. All of these guys I'm about to mention are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. But then yesterday it came out from reporting from Steve Morocco of MMA Fighting, Brian Campbell, that Luis Pena had also been arrested for domestic violence. This is not his first run-in. Uh, he was arrested earlier this year for robbery and sudden snatching, battery, and criminal mischief. You now add in this part of the, the, the details of the police report, apparently, were that he was punching two women with a closed fist. Um, the UFC wow. has since released him, citing that uh, the police report was enough information for the, that this guy has enough struggles, basically, yes. and challenges. He needs to get his life in and order. And they claim they tried to help him in between. Which they probably did. I don't know. Okay, I, I guess I'll just ask you, does, is, there, is there a, a 
uh, domestic violence problem in combat sports. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when anytime you you package multiple uh, arrests that, that that make these type of headlines, there is. There's also an issue rampant in any profession. And now, does it get elevated in combat sports or any sport in which you're taking hits to the head? I, I mean. Um, it, yeah, to some degree, Luke, even though it's not like a cause for it or, or necessarily the direct correlation. So um, we see a lot in fight sports, especially people coming from other, you know, pl places of of, uh, of not lack of structure to get to where they are today. These are no things to excuse it. It just means I feel like we see it more in these sports, and I would love to see it end. So the problem or the question you ask yourself now is what are the responsibilities of the promoters? What are the responsibilities of the networks at that same time? Um, I made that comment regarding the John Jones situation, which wasn't related necessarily to domestic violence or that his most recent events uh, arrest was domestic related. It was just a overall look at one star athlete that has continued to misstep no matter what opportunities were given him. And it's just the collective toll. But obviously the John Jones conversation will end up being linked with this when it happens to this fighter in Luis Pena and he's gone. Now, Luke, is that unfair? Where one could go, you know, do we should 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 fairness involve a a, a no to, a zero tolerance policy that would affect everybody? Yes, but Luke, I think you also can can remember working anywhere at a restaurant. If the happens to the dishwasher, is more likely to get fired than the assistant manager, right? Sure. I mean, that's just sort of value in 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 how things work. Doesn't make it right. I didn't love Dana White's response Tuesday at the press conference. Now, in in print, when it was tweeted out by the members that were there, basically saying. You know, we had to let this guy go, but hey, John Morgan asking, what about John Jones? Could this happen to him? Dana White basically saying this could happen to anybody. When you read that in print on a tweet, it looked very much like, hey, John's not actually guilty. It could happen to anybody. When you hear Dana say it, you get what he's saying. He's basically saying that no one is exempt from losing their job because of this, which is the right move. I'm harder on the UFC than I am on boxing, which is more fragmented and unstructured and, you know, for, for better or worse, and I'll tell you worse, also has more of a detailed history of this type of stuff happening. UFC, though, is a publicly traded company at a very elite point with the ESPN deal. I would like to see, Luke, some type of stance, even if it's nominal suspensions that really don't matter because fighters only fight twice a year, more or less, to begin with. You gotta start stepping in and saying, we don't allow this, we don't want this. Firing Pena was, was that move, so that's good to see. But if you do nothing on the flip side to your bigger stars, especially someone like a John Jones who now has multiple accumulated missteps involving everything from arrest to drug test issues and all that and beyond, then you are being completely hypocritical. So to answer your question, yes, there, there seems to be an, a, an issue right over this in combat sports. Let's take the steps to stuff it out across the board, even boxing promoters in that broken sport as well. Um, you hate to see these headlines. But uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna let one person go, do you, do you have to do it across the board? If you want zero tolerance, if you want to remove that, if you want to say that we have taken a stand against this, then yes, you have to do that. So I know they're gonna wait on the John Jones scenario, and yes, innocent until proven guilty and all that. But I would like to see when you're at this level where the UFC is and publicly sold and all that, where you are trying to clean up this PR. Let me ask you a question. Let's take uh, imagine we just had candidates X and Y for an experiment. You didn't know who was what. One ended up being the John Jones situation, one ended up being the Luis Pena situation, but take out that you didn't know that at popularity levels or whatever. You just were examining the situations. What could be the meaningful difference, not counting their box office appeal, in the situations between Jones and Pena? I'm not saying they're identical. I'm not saying there is no answer. I'm asking, 
What is the meaningful difference between their situations that where one which should be let go and one should be wait and see? Well, I think the John Jones thing, to echo my Maybe point you I just don't made, feel that way if you don't. is I don't feel that, that it's just a domestic violence conversation. For me, the John Jones conversation is just a larger, larger, you know, you get more privilege in a longer leash when you're a super big celebrity and a big star and a draw and the greatest of all time, but you should also face a different level of scrutiny just the same because you are representing that brand on a much larger scale. So I don't, th I don't look at the John Jones conversation as just domestic. Are you trying to make this just domestic? No, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to see uh, if, you wanted to, if you wanted to argue, which maybe you don't, if you wanted to argue, ah, no, their situations are meaningfully different as it relates to the crimes in question, what would you say? Because at that point, they're, obviously they're not identical crimes, yeah. but what the difference would be between them materially in terms of what would justify getting cast off from the roster, I don't know how you can make that call without taking into consideration their brand power. It, it That's fair. It, it's, it's, there's just not enough of a difference to, to mm -hmm. do that. Mm -hmm. On this question, dude, I don't know where to come down on it because um, obviously I do think we have a domestic violence problem in MMA and in combat sports more generally. There, I forgot to mention it, but how could I? Uh, the New York Times did a report yesterday on the situation with Cyborg Abreu, who is a very decorated jiu-jitsu black belt out of Miami, Florida, and his team fight sports, and how there was, according to the reports in this article, basically a systemic effort to, and in three cases and potentially more, to... Um, not hold sexual abusers to account and doing everything you can to not let them be held to account. It's a, it's a terrible story. So even in there, in jiu-jitsu you have it. Here is basically the problem I think we're up against a little bit, BC, which is that um, you're, I think it is a meaningful difference when you argue that the UFC is publicly traded. That to me is a different thing. I agree. How different is debatable, but I agree that's in kind, not the same thing. On the other hand, here is just where we are. Do the fans and the media, and the various players, the, the, the stakeholders, sponsors, networks, promoters, do they really care enough to cast out domestic abusers into the sport and what that would mean, right? If you actually had zero tolerance, if you actually in unison cast these people off, do you want what's left of the sport? I don't think that they do. I think that they wanna find ways to fudge it, I think they want to look the other way when they can. Obviously, some of these situations are morally complex, they're not all identical, and all of them deserve a right to be, uh, in the case of the criminal considerations, these deserve to be you know, uh, handled, and they're innocent until proven guilty in many cases, obviously, but I just don't think there's pressure from certain parts of the community, but they have to shout for a long time to get heard, okay. and, and if the prom what is the consequence for promoters going and using people who have this history, in terms of the blowback. All the incentive would be all the money lost if you didn't use them, not the business consequences that come from using them. And as long as there's that asymmetry in the market, Absolutely. that's it. There's no question about that. But when you are at the UFC's level, which no singular boxing promoter is and no other MMA promoter is, uh, you would it hurt them, Luke, to do the bare minimum and, and come out and make a case, a stance against this publicly and say this is not tolerated across the board for any of our fighters, male or female, nor do we want this message put out there for our brand, which, by the way, appears on a Disney network, uh, because we want to start to retrain our fighters who don't all come from the same structured backgrounds and the same, you know, uh, safe upbringings. 
we, we want to put a stop to this. So even if you created a training program within your PI and you suspended guys for six months or nine months and at least put out there that, you know, you get multiple offenses in this area, we are going to let you go. Why would that be? Why is that a... A, I think, uh, I think, is that hard? That's think, not hard I to do. I think it is hard. I mean, you're right, it's not. But what I'm saying is I think it's hard for them because they have purposely backed off of the code of conduct for the implications it would mean for turning their... Uh, and I'm, I'm not saying they're like, oh, we don't want to cover domestic violence for these reasons. What I'm saying is the UFC knows that the more you go down that line about we're going to have this code, and if you break it, we're going to punish you, you have blurred the lines between independent contractor and employee. And once they become employees... They can become a union. Once they become a union, they can change the whole business. Councilman, um, tell that to Paul Daly. He got fired for less. He did get fired for less. Okay, tell that to a few others, okay? Miguel Torres made a joke. Not a great joke. A very tasteless one. Not a good joke at all, yep. A tasteless one, but he made a joke. Um, In any case, I'll remember in 2015 when Real Sports HBO did a report on whether there was domestic violence problems in the industry. And they they did try to make some improper points where they compared, like, NFL to all of MMA. But the real takeaway was, and again, some of the math needs to be double-checked, but was there a greater chance, if you had any background in fighting professional MMA, in terms of that population, that they would have a higher rate of incidence of domestic violence problems relative to the national average? It's pretty incontestably true that it is, and there's not much of an incentive within the market to do anything about it. And without that incentive... I don't, I, don't, I, don't know what, I don't know what happens. I know it's putting a brand or a promoter or a leader of a, of a brand in a judgmental chair basically saying, is this sin bad enough where if we don't tame it, it could hurt our bottom line and it could give a bad message? Or do I care about this sin more? Like, Luke, if somebody came out and made a, you know, a, a racial slur or something, you know, it's like now we're comparing, right. you know, is this sin, you know, forgivable or is this sin bad enough where we have to get ahead of the story? I, I think domestic violence sucks. So can we make it important enough that people want well, to get out of it? I mean, like, okay, we, but this is not the same as John Gruden making fun of Dee Marisa's Smith's looks. I know. It's, it's this a, is a crime. It's a, it's a dicey area comparing any of these. But to me, all of them suck. But also domestic violence is really bad. And if you have, if you are more likely as a fight promoter to have employees that could go down this road, you should also be more likely to try to enforce and educate against it. Correct. Yeah, but I mean, I think the and yes, that goes yes, to, yes, that goes course, to boxing yes, promoters, that yes. goes to networks. It, it sounds like I'm forgiving them. I'm not. I'm just trying to be realistic about it. It's like, dude, you want them to do something about it. What in the UFC's business model, as it stands today, and in terms of how the fans receive them and use them, there might be some fighters that go so nuclear toxic you can't use them. A war machine, BJ Penn at the end there. Maybe Luis Pena has entered that territory. Chris Benoit. Yeah, you, you get you get the idea where it goes so far it becomes untenable. But as long as you're not in that case, I'm, I'm going to say it again. What, who is pressuring UFC to, or any promoter, really, to do anything about it? And the answer is n- nobody powerful. That's the problem. And media has shouted about it. Doesn't do much in the end. Sometimes, sometimes it can. Sometimes it can. I want to say. And that's not to say that if you feel strongly about it, you shouldn't speak out. But people ask me, like, when's the UFC going to do something? I'm like, dude, when's it going to be baked into their structure? Yeah. If there was a union... And the union was, this is why I keep saying there should be a fucking union, because if there was, and all of these things were hammered out, this this question about the nebulous, what should UFC do? 
we would already know between the hey, agreement. Hey, Norma Ray, maybe you found your life calling and you just haven't activated it yet. I don't know. I don't. I, I, I'm maybe not, you're I'm supposed not the guy, to be that guy. I'm not the Pied Piper of fighters. Maybe I, you're the next Marvin Miller, D. Maurice Smith. Um, who else am I? Missing? John Gruden gonna also make fun of my appearance? Probably. I hope he does. I hope he does. Uh, I mean, Luke, maybe this. Maybe you and and John S. Nash should should do a a. You know, a Robin Hood crusade to fix this game for the better, even if it means sacrificing your own good name. That's heroic. Why won't you do that? Because I just crack dick jokes for a living, <laughs> looking, cashing these checks, Biatch, right? Bitch! Yeah. Uh, anyway, so that's a terrible thing that's happening. Uh, okay. Yeah. With that in mind, let's go to some quick hitter fight news, if we can, BC, here. Topic number four. I'm just going to go through these, and you give me some reaction to them. I got see how you feel. Yeah. We got a bunch of fight announcements. We talked about the one at the beginning, Masvidal versus Edwards, but there are others. Namely, we go right to it. Uh, what do you make of this one? Luke Rockhold being out in his return against Sean Strickland. So I saw the video. It seems a legitimate what knee injury. Yes. So it's not like I'm going to say you know Rockhold, you this or that, but it's it's a continued it's a continued turn in the wrong direction for Rockhold, who has kind of had two careers in a way. Luke, you know the. The first one when he was great and pound for pound ranked and the UFC middleweight champion, and then everything that happened from 199 and on. And that has been inactivity. That has been getting knocked out in fights he was winning. That has been keeping a very arrogant posture as a fighter, which I think has been his downfall. And it has been some of the decision-making. I know lately he's been feuding with the brand, and he went on Ariel's show and, sp and spoke openly in certain areas that I thought were actually refreshing. Um, this fight could have been a gateway for him to getting back into a really big fight. And to, if he goes out there, if he went out there and beat Sean Strickland and reminded us in his late 30s who he could be, it could have been a nice springboard. Now it just seems like another setback. I am, um, I am curious to see if this comeback is, is possible. I don't mean to yeah, be, I, I don't mean to be uh, disparaging. What certainly. did him and Weidman do to, to each other that night in that fight at UFC 194? Right, they were never the same. In the Conor Aldo, certainly Coleman. Weidman was never the same. And it's yeah. not that that fight was some brutal beating. You know, well, Weid it was for Weidman, Weidman made an error, and then he. But like they have both not been. Well, the no, no. Well, the Weidman part is explainable. Herb Dean let that fight go way too long. That's fair. But Chris, you're right. Chris is still his son, just so you know, though. Either way. Still my boy. It's still my boy. Yeah. Do you imagine could, what under what circumstance would my dad ever? Say that? Wow. So Mr. Wa Mr. What? You know what? Mr. Weidman and Mr. Um, Hebas are really the the MVP dads. Your father. Yeah. Your father is the the war machine of MVP. Dads, well, that's a little right? mean. My dad's a little bit better than okay, that. Okay, Thank you. Okay. The the Mr. and Mrs. Ramsey of MMA. Uh, I don't think they murdered me at uh, covered up a murder of uh, me uh, at. Uh, I mean, what's worse? What's age? worse, Luke? Um, apathy, you know, like what's the worse? The rapper? No, what's worse, them actually hurting you or them not just just being indifferent, just being like, oh, that's my son. Like, I gotta whatever. tell you, the indifference, you know, the indifference you know, is uh, it's strong. It's hard. Least, it's hard to do. At least they would have showed you that they cared a little by inflicting that. Like when I stab you in your sleep one day, Luke, it will be mostly out of rage, but there's a little bit of sick love in that, Luke. Okay, you know. I, I don't think my dad's the issue with my life. Maybe just be you. All right, next fight. Uh, Taitu Ivasa. Tui, tui, let's bang. Let's bang. Uh, taking on Augusto Sakai. This will be set for November 20th. Okay, it's, the, it's the right fight in his rise. Now that the, the It's not that the win over Hart, Greg Hardy stamps that this guy is legit, but it's the accumulation of the good steps in the right direction. That means I want to find out now if Tui Ivasa is legit. So I would have liked a bigger name to learn that, but you do have to learn it the hard way against the tough matchups, and Augusto Sakai is not a sexy one, Luke, but it might be an important one to find out. And if he beats him, dude, forget uh, drinking out of a shoe, Luke. Get the, get the whole, you know, get a pair of underpants. Get something different here. You Sakai, know? since his Bellator days, has vastly improved. I agree with you. It's not a very, like, interesting fight, per se, but 
uh, an important one. I agree with that. Now, this one is an absolute fucking barn burner. Brad Riddell out of City Kickboxing taking on Rafael Fazayev. I oh, mean, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, you hadn't heard about this one? December no. 4th? Dude, you're talking about two great strikers going after it. I think both, by the way, at times with a striking coach at Tiger Muay Thai, at separate, uh, separate uh, eras anyway, uh, this is a hell of a this fight. Is, this is John Jones-Ryan Bader level matchmaking where you got two guys that look like they could be faces of where the division's going, so why don't we have them fight each other? Okay? Totally. Uh, Jeff Neal is back in action against the Argentine, Santiago Ponzinibbio. This will be on That's December 11th. Okay, because yeah, Jeff fight. Neal was going in a direction where you're like, Top 10 legit badass, maybe future contender. And then the Wonder Boy thing happened. And, yeah, and the time off. And wasn't he working like a regular job to try to make yeah. ends meet? And it just wasn't the same guy. And Ponzinibbio coming off of multiple injuries and time off, right? Yes. Now, he did Long, come. Two, he did two make, years. But he did. Has he made an official comeback? He made a comeback yeah. and he lost. He lost. That's right. That's yeah. right. It's all he got coming stopped, back to actually. me now. Celine Dion. I think yeah. the leech beat him, if, if memory serves. 90s reference. What happened? Miguel Baeza. Wow, Sorry. Gaff jumping in with a hey, hey, Gaff, great guy. Great guy. I have met him. Never heard of him. Uh, Sam Alvey will take on Ian Heinish set for February 5th. Are you? Smiling Sam. Wow. Wow. He He, has nine lives He hangs on, man. He has nine lives. Yeah, yeah. That dude, I'm surprised. He's still there just doing the do. Is there another run in Jurassic back Ian Heinish to try to like, like, will he ever be in true title contention? What is his ceiling beyond one day them making a movie about his personal life? I don't know. Uh, this is he's he's had some real setbacks. Would you like to work out with him with MK cameras present, where you can learn a little? No, because he'll fucking murder me. No, like. he could teach you a lot, Luke. Okay, I know you like being the teacher. I've been in the weight room with you. Uh, you can, but it's like I can't, I can't, I really can't put you down for it because you care. You you want to teach. You want to nurture. You know what I mean? You overbearing piece of shit. You don't. You can't help yourself. Here's why we're what having. Mean? Here's why we're having those dreams. Yeah. yeah. Me- meanwhile, we've got. Uh, you know, what's her face over there? COVID playing Sudoku wow, or whatever. We're calling her COVID now. Yes. Somebody's. Somebody will catch a case here. Too. Uh, okay. And that's it. And then last but not least, BC, we have Bellator this weekend. So Bellator is back. We have the semifinals of the light heavyweight Grand Prix. We have Vadim Nemkov in your main event. We'll be taking on Julius Angliscus. And then in your co-main, Ryan Bader taking on Corey Anderson. Of course, Julius, as you know, BC, is the fill-in because it was supposed to be Rumble Johnson, yes. but he is out due to a, what appears to be a rather severe, a severe okay. situation. This doesn't have the, the blinking light of, of, like, sex. You know, live girls, come see that a Rumble fight for the title would have had Luke. Okay? We got we to gotta put that out there. That's that a, is what it is. That's a weird way to describe it. Uh, but once you get over that... That's, not, you, that's how you would describe, like, one of those, like, porn video stores on the side of the road when you're driving. Yeah. Oh, by the way, somebody reached out to me about that. Have you seen this shit picture with the midget is back? Yeah. They said, I think it's Fort Wayne, Indiana, and they say they have the Sounds most, right. most adult clubs per per capita in their downtown. Fuck else are you going to do in Fort yeah, Wayne, Indiana? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not going there at all. Go to Arby's, murder each other, yeah. do meth, and go see the midget at the strip club. Um, but look, this fight card, this doubleheader, when you look at it, when you get down to it, these are two very good matchups. Where Look, Angliscus, and, and, and by the way, shout out to the folks who did the Bellator countdown show that you can catch on YouTube. We had a little, little cameo in that. Did we? Yeah, yeah oh, I didn't that. know. Voiced by Big John. Um, these are this, this is these are very good fights, Luke. So uh, you know, look, you want to see if Angliscus, who has done some things, you know, won on the Dana White Contender Series, but didn't get the call up, has put together a nice run here in Bellator and is now getting that accidental chance. Will it be a Daniel Cormier like stealing of the show? I don't know, Luke. I, you, you, we had our doubts about Cormier in that spot, and he went full bloom in front of it, like Andre Ward did before him in the Super 6 on Showtime. Like, anytime people have these breakout runs, like Ryan Bader in the damn heavyweight bracket. Um, this is going to be a good test, though, for Vadim Nemkov, because we've seen him beat 
the guys that, that'll, that'll make you impressive in this division and that we start to take them very seriously. Now beat a guy on short notice without the same type of planning who's got nothing to lose. And Luke, he's coming in ripped. And Gliskis is ripped. You can't win fights shape. with abs, yes. but he's coming in ripped. And then Luke, the better, I'm sorry, the better matchup that I'm a little bit more focused in on because I'm not really sure is Bader Corey Anderson because Corey Anderson feels like he's seen something, Luke, when they've sparred in the past. Okay, we'll talk about that in just a second. But about Angliskis, is it terrible for Bellator if he wins? No. Because Vadim Nemkov is a name that we're trying to build up. He's got the Fedor Association. He has the wins over Phil Davis now. He's got uh, the wins over Ryan Bader. He's like a guy you, you can now begin to build. And here comes Angliskis out of nowhere, who, by the way, the guy won and finished his opponent on Contender Series and has won every fight in Bellator since. Granted, all three of those have been decision, but he beat Jordan Young, who's a name that folks don't know. He's a very good fighter. Dude, like, here's the thing. Angliskis is like a good fighter. Yeah. He's coming on short notice. But Nemkov is finally putting Look, the pieces you, together. Unless you felt like Nemkov was somebody you're going to put on a T-shirt and like you know really become a marketing gem, which I get put positioning him as legit and people are going to watch for that reason. But I don't think it would be horrible or backbreaking because what this would show is that you really do have a competitive light heavyweight division and that a guy that wasn't even scheduled for this star-studded tournament, if he can come in and win the damn title and then set up to fight the winner against either a Corey Anderson who's on fire you know, and looks so good with Bellator, or your former champion in Ryan Bader, should he come out of that, who's also your current heavyweight champion, then the, this, is, uh, this is what you want, Luke. And then if Rumble, hopefully he can come back. If Romero can work his way back now that he's debuted here at light heavyweight, there are some big matchups you can make down the road. You know? Now, you say short notice, that's true. The original opponent, again, was Anthony Rumble Johnson. But there's short notice, and then there's short notice. What I mean to say is... <laughs> You can get an opponent change on a week or two weeks' notice. This one's having closer to like a month or six weeks almost, which is not an ideal training camp, but it's not a short amount of time. What I mean to say is we have seen fighters who are very, very good who when they get a really late switch, they still win the fight, but it, it's kind of boring because they don't know what they're up against and they're feeling everything out for the entirety of it. Are you worried we're going to get to one of those situations, or do you think Nimkov lets it fly? I'm not worried. We're going to talk to Julius Angliskis this week, you and I, Yeah. at this set. Yeah. I'm going to tell him to his face, bro. This is your chance. You only get one shot sometimes in life, okay? Do not miss your chance to blow. Um, come out swinging. Dude, you telegraph that joke. I mean, just come out swinging. I mean, you're Deontay I mean, Wilder I don't mean to sound like a, a, a ex-Canadian MMA star, but, you know, if you're going to come on, Julius, come on, brother. This is your chance, okay? Don't, don't backdoor into that belt. Don't accidentally win that belt. Seize that belt. All right. Seize your, the day. Your thought about the co-main event. Diem. Carpe diem. Your thought about Ryan Bader and Corey Anderson, you yeah. think this is the sneaky fight, why? This is very sneaky, because I think it's gonna be very close. I'm very interested to see which which strategic flow the fight plays out at. It's two wrestlers, so you're naturally telling yourself, oh, the wrestling's gonna you know, cancel itself out, and let's see how they do boxing each other. I don't know. I know you've said this in the past, and I kind of agree. I wonder if Corey Anderson can take him down. I wonder if all the stuff Corey Anderson's talking, that these guys have sparred and worked together in the past, but you know, Bader's team, they know, they know. What do they know? Is that just sparring stuff that happens? Or or did he show that he is the dominant force there? Luke, Anderson is on such a good mom momentum. When we talk about mm -hmm. Moscow, the momentum and seems real. Uh, he's recovered from that, you know, in the transition from UFC to Bellator, he had that physical setback where he fell. He, he seems to be in the in a perfect spot mentally and physically. Bader's not going to be easy, but if he's going to come in this confident, if he gets this win, he may end up being the favorite in the final. Luke, I'm telling you, Corey Anderson's the sneaky live dog in this tournament. All right. He might be. I, I can't tell if this fight is going to be wrestle-heavy or strike-heavy or uh, kind of not a wild brawl, but like a little bit all over the place because I think it could go a number of different directions. The only thing I, I'm up against is I still 
I'm not saying Corey Anderson is small for the weight class, but I am saying Bader is big for it. Yes. And so I do wonder over time, does Bader's, again, they're going to weigh in at 205, but is Bader's relative bulk here, yeah. is that going to carry the day? I, I tend to wonder it. I tend to think it might, but I don't know. Well, as long as it doesn't look like either of the Phil Davis, Ryan Bader fights, we'll be, we'll be better yeah, off. Yeah, those are not the best ones. Do uh, you respect, okay, we respect Ryan Bader, by yeah, the way. Yeah, he's awesome. He's a he's great fighter. He's a fantastic guy. But I've asked him many times about the nickname, Darth Bader, and said, oh, you must be a big Star Wars guy. I'm totally ready to bro out and nerd out with him and be like, no, Han shot first, bro. And the, you know, not, you know, oh gosh, all that shit, Greedo. And then he's always like, hey, bro, I don't really like Star Wars. I just thought it was a cool nickname. Should we, like, should we not clown that, but should we lose a little respect for Why that? Why would you clown him for that? And should we... Wouldn't you have a long look in the mirror about what a fucking loser that you That he are? missed the boat on giving himself the nickname Master, and it could have been something that elevated his brand to, like, different levels. You know what I mean? But how would you, how would you introduce it? Would you say, Master Ryan Bader? No, no, no I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it. Or would way. you do it that way? Ryan <laughs> Master Bader. Even like, he, you're damn right. Sorry, wrong hand. You're damn right. You know what I mean? I, I love how BC's thought line is, if I was a pro fighter and my last name was Bader, I'm telling everyone I'd jerk off. <laughs> yeah, right? Because it's all about that BDE I love masturbating. Okay, you know what I'm saying? It is, a, it is a... Dude, the guys who publicly brag about masturbating do not have BDE. I got bad <laughs> news for you. I'm not saying that it it's the exact It's not opposite. an apples for apples thing where it's like, because my nickname's Masturbator, I support jerking off. It's more just like, yo, I'm the master, Bader. You know what I mean? So, you know what I mean? Like, there's a little bit of a subtlety in that. I don't think there's any subtlety <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> I think it's you being like, I'm like masturbating! <laughs> wow, okay. Uh, all right. Well, I'm just, waiting for for Matt, the producer, to come running and be like, "That's it, guys. That we got to show." Listen, it down listen. Here. I am uh, happy to tell you that this is. Uh, you think Bellator's gonna like this preview? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were gonna put him in the countdown show, but so let me get this straight. They talked about <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know what? It could be a boost for ratings. I'd be into it if I were them. <laughs> you want? I don't even know if I could say this on air. <laughs> don't do it. You want Bellator to do what during their no, broadcast? No, uh, okay, that's it for... I'm a big fan of their analyst, by the way. You know I love Moro. Also, Josh Thompson. I used to work with that guy at a special uh, little roundtable we did in Mohegan. Yeah, you're Mohegan. not scarred by it at all. <laughs> wow, I love that guy. Yeah. All right, uh, that's it for the top five topics. Now we get to the other crazy parts of the show. All right, right? we do not have the wheel today because it's apparently it's shipping. It's in the it's in the air right now. It's on the way here, Luke. We're going to revisit the, this later this week. We used to do a segment though that has had fairly contrasting you know opinions from people. It's either hit pretty good or horrible. Luke. Call me crazy, but this segment's on life support right now. But we'll try it one more time. Let's what do you try think? it one more time. All right. So here's the premise. Here, BC can be a little. Ridiculous at times. Sometimes I have opinions that are that are just you know they're just they're they're a little bit wet in the corners with conspiracy, ridiculousness, insanity. Mm -hmm. I want to see if you think I'm onto something here, Luke, or if you think I'm in, in fact batshit crazy. We okay. call this call me crazy. All right, Luke, I got eight of these. Are you ready? Okay, let's hear it. Okay, uh, the first one's the only long one. I know you hate long intros, but here we go. Um, Benson Henderson was on the Shock Majority show. You know, Shock, you know, yes. our guy, right? Shaq? Yep. Shaq's my guy from MMA Mania. And he was asked about who he thinks the MMA GOAT is. You ready for his quote? Okay. Who cares about my opinion, Bendo said. But I'm not going to put Habib up there for the greatest ever of all time. You can eat, maybe consider him one of the greats at 55, but as far as one of the greatest of all time in all weight classes, nah. You might have to miss me on that one. 
That's saying something. Greatest of all time, I think there are a good 10 or 15 fighters above him. I'm one of those purists who is all about longevity as well. Somebody who has been there and competed at the top level. Not somebody who is 35 and 0, but only really has 10 fights against top level guys. And quote, he would go on to name BJ Penn as his GOAT. Luke, call me crazy, but good old Bendo didn't actually sound all that crazy in that rant until he did the 10 or 15 fighters above Habib. That part was fucking crazy. I don't understand what you're asking me. You didn't ask me anything, you just stated that. <laughs> that was a good performance art at the very least. Luke, is, uh, is Bendo onto something? Is it wrong to make that leap? Is there enough of a case against Habib being the GOAT that it's, it's a very fair s- space to say, look, he's great, but he's not actually in the GOAT conversation. Because I think you can make a sneaky side case for Habib being the GOAT, just on the domination level that we've seen and the big names he at least closed his career against, even though, yes, with injury and with only fighting once a year during some stretches with the Ramadan scheduling, with a lot of things that went on, we didn't get him against the guys we wanted, let alone Tony Ferguson. We didn't get it consistent across the board. But Bendo's saying 10 to 15 guys better. That's where you're, that's where you're getting a little crazy here. Uh, 10 to 15 guys better is a little strong. Um, I don't know how you want to handle this because, dude, you have different weight classes, different er- The eras part, I'm, I can, I don't think is the biggest impediment, but it's like, dude, do you want to count John Jones's record? Because a lot of people don't because they want to say how much of that was under the auspices of, um, PED use against suspected, never proven, but there is certainly that out there. Um, uh, well, they proved some picograms at least. Uh, yes, yes. I mean, I'm not saying he's had no infractions. I'm just saying, like, to, to there's debate about it. Certainly, um, I'm I'm willing our to lower thirds. I wrote up lower thirds for you guys. Yeah, you I'm willing to, to concede that there might be there might be you can no. name up to five depending on what criteria you used. I'll just say ten to fifteen sounds way too. Those are high. not the lower throat. Those are not the droids that you sent for right there. Those are not the ones I sent. Thank you, Luke, for your answer though. Okay, but so you would be against somebody if they came out and said, "Look, I've seen them all. John Jones is great. GSP great. Silver great." Habib's the goat. You would be. You would. You would counter that. I w- um, To me, it's neck and neck between them. To me, uh, Jones has a bigger and better body of work. Habib has for the body of work. I think. Um, I just think he was better against his peers in terms of keeping the the distance on them for longer. Okay. You kind of answer without answering, but I, I it's a hard question to answer. I appreciate dude. you hearing. I don't think it's ten to fifteen. All right, number two, Luke, call me crazy, but he may be a lovable coach now that Yuana regularly calls him Mikey in public, as if he was the nerd neighbor in an '80s sitcom. But people forget really fucking fast how much of a badass Mike Thomas Brown in the WEC actually was. That's a fact. Call me freaking crazy, Luke. His his reputation and legacy, because of how good of a coach he is and a nice guy he is, is somewhat making people forget the damn badass that MTB was. I know. I don't think it's... Here's what happened. The people who are into the sport when Mike Brown was kicking everyone's ass, they're not really around for the most part anymore. So people have just forgotten it. And then once he made his run in the UFC, there was no real run to speak of. He did not have a very distinguished run because he was run down at that point. That was the end of his career. And he has completely changed the way people perceive him by virtue of how... um, just how great of a coach he is. But if you knew Mike Brown at the time, yes, Josie Aldo took his belt from him. I remember exactly where I was when he did. But, dude, he, I mean, he, he beat Uriah cleanly twice. twice. yes. And then there's a punch where he hit Leonard Garcia so hard 
You can watch Garcia leave his feet as he does it. It's one of the most like badass things ever. When he was in form, he was a hard Maybe because he's just a humble dude. Because when I've seen him at fights or when you interview Ioana and he's lingering, you're like, yo, Mike, Mike, bro. I'm like, fuck, you are badass. And you want him to be like, you're damn right. And instead he's just like, oh, you know, like, oh, thank you, but no. no. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But maybe, maybe he's just a really nice guy. Maybe so. Maybe he's watching this. And he'll close off the set and stand in front of the mirror, Dirk Diggler style, and just mm-hmm. be like, Campbell was right. Yeah, Campbell was not right. Okay. Hey, Luke, call me crazy, but the UFC should consolidate the women's 135 and 145-pound divisions into one open superweight division between the weights of 135 and 155 with one title. And, oh, wait for it, they should call it women's heavyweight. Call me crazy, bro. And it would span like seven. It would span weight classes. 135 to 155. It would span three weight oh, classes I see, I see. because you can't even look, 115 is loaded. 125 is finally starting to have like a legitimate top 10. Mm-hmm. 35, 45, and 55 are dead on arrival. Why not make it one open weight and call it heavyweight? I like it. I like it. I like that. I like So that, that means, a lot. look, if you're Amanda Nunes and you can make 35, you also are the best in the world at 45. You may have to fight somebody like Kayla Harrison at 55 for the for the UFC women's heavyweight title. I like it. Okay. All right. We're on, a, we're on a good run here. Let's see if this keeps up. Luke, call me crazy, number four, but putting ketchup on your scrambled eggs is about as low class as willingly looking at nudes of your first cousins. <laughs> Can we have the right lower thirds that I send in? These are the... No, the... The other ones. Is looking at nudes of your cousins low class or incest? It's, it's, it's a, low class is one of the first exits on the road there, Luke, okay? Uh, I'm going to say that looking at nudes of your cousins is a little bit worse okay, but this than question what isn't really, condiment. This question isn't really about the nudes. That was, that was, you know, that ketchup was the I'm not, I don't, I'm not a ketchup on eggs guy, but I don't, I don't condemn it quite okay, the way you do. Okay, okay. You guys got the, good, the right lower thirds? Okay, thank yeah, you. See they, they had all jokes. They were like, you know, it, it was a mind game. Yeah, really. Okay. All right, number five. Luke, call me crazy, but the way you pronounce the S in Ronda Rousey's last name is fucking weird. It's pronounced Rousey. as if it was an S, but it really should be pronounced as if it was a Z, bro. Don't be that guy. Um, what do I say? Ronda Rousey every single time. What is it? It's Ronda Rousey. Everybody knows that. Hoppa knows that shit. Do we? Brendan know that? knows that. Since when is that true? It's always been that way, Luke. You just missed it, and Rousey? I don't want you to miss it anymore. Hey, Mark the cameraman. How do you I've say Ronda's last that. name? Rousey with a Z. Thank you, Jake. Jake, Jake less than Jake. Jake the damn, doesn't Jake, even know the how to pronounce his own How do you say Ronda's last name? Rousey with a Z. Thank you. Thank I don't you. think all I right? don't. Uh, I tell you what. I think you're all wrong, and I'd like to hear some clarification from her. All right, we need a deciding vote. Chris, our, it's our not a deciding vote. If Chris, what, what, we're not voting on this. Chris, Rhonda, what? Rousey with a Z. Thank you. Thank you. Luke. Yes, everyone right. who doesn't know how to pronounce letters. Okay, Thank you. here we go. Next, number six. Luke, call me crazy. We don't tend to show a lot of forward love to these specific 90s bands I'm talking about. When we talk 90s rock and the good shit, we're usually talking like grunge, you know, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, right? Radiohead, if you want to go a little different direction. Call me crazy, but the first Matchbox 20 record was fucking awesome, get Luke. get the fuck out of my face. So was the first Third Eye Blind and the first two Bush records and even the first live record and those back-to-back records from Goo Goo Dolls and Oasis. My point, Luke... 
90s pop grunge might be guilty pleasure listening, but 90s pop grunge at its very peak was fucking awesome. And I may not tell a lot of people that I still love it. I love that shit, Luke. Okay, is there a question here? Yeah, am I, am I crazy? Yeah, you're a fucking idiot. That's the worst fucking album ever. I don't know. I, on the drive down here last night, I had I had uh, yourself or something, someone like me by by Matchbox on, and I, you know, it's again, a whore, here, again, a whore, it's here. not something I'm going to put out there and to everyone like now listening to this. But at the same time, look, you got to have some of those those. You know what I mean? Like I bet you were a masturbator during the. It's part of what the, made uh, the '90s awesome. That 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 run of of pop rock with grunge tint and a little bit of other genres sprinkled over it. It's so much better than the, than the commercial one that came after it with Kid Rock and. Limp Biscuit and all those bands of JR oh, likes. Bada bang, dang, you you can't support me at all on this. No. 90s pop grunge to you sucks the horn. The first Third Eye Blind album? No. You're not even willing to say that Bush... I wish you would step back from Okay, I'm not here to say that Bush is the manliest band ever, but they have four A-plus hits. I don't four. think we listen to music the same Four A-plus hits. Mm-hmm. The rest of the thing, everything else they wrote is a C. Yep, and when I was 15, they were money. Uh, upon replay, they don't quite stand the test of time, do they? All right, maybe I'll call you crazy. Maybe that's the new segment All right. here. All right, Luke, number seven. I got two more for you. It's pretty good. We're keeping the okay. segment All right. alive, All okay? Right. Number seven. Call me crazy, Luke, but people would respect and appreciate... Whoever is the holder of UFC records for most wins and most total fights, a lot more if it wasn't Jim Miller, Donald Cerrone, and Andre Arlovsky that keep swapping the number one spot back to each other. No, that would it doesn't matter what names you put in there. People have a hard time understanding the significance of those accomplishments. I'm not trying to say that like it, oh, because these guys are journeymen, people look down on it. But if this if these records were held by GSP or Anderson Silva instead, I think it's something you would hear on the broadcast all the time. People would be talking about it as if it's a badge, where now we talk about it yeah, as your compiler. The reason why GSP and Silva don't is because it's hard to compete on that kind of schedule and win. So I'm crazy here. A little. Yeah. All right. We'll see if this segment comes back. Last one, Luke. I got one more for you. Hopefully this one's good. Call me crazy. But O.J. Simpson was the fucking worst, right? I mean, this guy's like the worst. He just murdered people. I mean, like, 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 I love watching highlights of him running the ball. Like, they were really good and ahead of their time. And Juice, he did, Juice he was wore, a good athlete. He wore low-level pads, and he swiveled very good. But, yo, he fucking gutted those people. Nicole Brown Simpson? Yeah, and the, and and the waiter, Golden? yeah. Like, like I, I don't like him. It, he, he did that. Probably. I'm telling you. Yeah, I mean, I believe he did. Is there a question there? Because it's the worst. He's like the worst. Do you bro. follow him on Twitter? No, I don't. I oh, don't. you should I see that little show. That. Yeah, I'm not into that. He likes to he likes to do some some betting sports betting analysis yeah. and uh, a lot of I told you so's along the way. Sport, sports betting. I did. He's not much of a gambler. He does like big lines though, Luke. If you know what I mean. I bet. I bet he does. I bet you do too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that segment fell on his face. Let's do some okay. fans. Hey, subs. call me crazy, but if it's if it ain't the wheel, it sucks in this show, Luke. Apparently, All right, let's know? do what you got. All right, Luke, we got one more segment for the people here. Let me regain my composure. Morningcombat at gmail.com is your home to send in your dead wrongs on Friday. But every Wednesday, it's for you to send in yourself wearing our clothing or a meme that you created that Luke will about to shit on. It's called fan submissions. Fan subs. We've got mail. All right, Jordan with an E signing in says, my girlfriend Mia, Maya, Maya was pretty hot in the 90s, right? A little sneaky? She went to Georgetown. Get the, from Maya from Ghetto Superstar fame. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. All right. Ghetto Superstar. 
That is what you are. That is what we're not. Uh, 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 uh. Some got hopes and dreams, right? Um, she surprised him with a morning combat That's mug stupid. this week. Uh, he has watched, Jordan with an E has watched most of the episodes of this podcast since it started. He loves BC's sense of humor. He hates Luke's politics. Yeah. But he still watches anyway for the MMA news coverage. Keep up the good work. P.S. Cannibal Corpse is boomer death metal. Wow. Yeah. You know what's amazing about that? I've heard modern death metal. It's the least creative shit ever. Okay, but how good is Jordan's lady, Maya, I think it's Maya, that she... She surprised him with this. She surprised him with this, Luke. Yeah. Uh, that's good. I mean, I'm glad to see he has since posted bail after the January 6th incident. Oh, wow. Come on. That looks you good. You think he was the one who shit in Pelosi's drawers? He, he definitely, he rubbed his balls on the escape key a couple uh, times. Thank I mean. you. Thank you, Jordan, for sending in your love of us and your hatred of the things Luke stands for. All right, we have and a I second. I always love these fucking stupid, okay. Jordan with an A is our second slider. Hey, Luke, rate my cable management, but keep in, keep in mind, the setup includes cables for PS4, laptop, LED backlighting, and screen-facing camera that syncs LEDs to video in real yeah. time. And B, I'm renting and I can't drill anything into the wall. Zoom in, rate his cable management, Luke. Yeah, uh, zero. Uh, why am I looking at 50,000 cables? And why do we have one that I could, if I was Tarzan, I could swing to go get Jane? Could you have more cable? Was that a zip line to get from the living room to the kitchen? What the fuck is that? <laughs> He's like, rate my... Dude, this is, like, this is like if someone took a shit in their hand and like, rate my art. Yeah, it's a fucking zero. We did that in five documentaries. Uh, Luke, thank you, though, to Jordan with an A for watching. Do you watch this on, on TV? Hold on, hold on. Corey, what are you saying? <laughs> the same. <laughs> oh, my God, you're right. So the, the TV and and Holder, they're calling it a, con what is it, a confidence monitor? It's a TV. Some shit. It's the same exact setup yeah. we have right here next to the camera, right here, that Luke and I watch ourselves on. Wow. All right. Hey, I don't. I always take it for granted that people would just watch us on their phone, like while they're whatever. Mm -hmm. People actually put us on TV. Like we're. I'm always surprised by that. Do you watch podcasts that way? No, never. I never watch never. podcasts that way. Granted, we were washed, so there is that. But. <laughs> yeah, please don't put us in 4K, please. All I know. Right. It's like we I barely shower. Uh, I mean. Nestor slides and says the misses and I were ready to head out, as I always represent and spread the gospel of MK throughout the Tampa Bay area. You guys fill my ear hole every week as I work with Luke's intellect in BC's art. Your number one Cuban listener, Nestor. Nestor. And most Cuban guys will tell you, Luke, they've got an eye for the women. Let's blow up and see this guy. Yes. Look at the way he wears our shirt, Luke. Normally? Yes. Uh, he's seen a gym before, Nestor, right? Yep, yep, takes good care of himself. He has the kind of facial hair that suggests I might be able to, to fight. I, like, if you cross me, I'm... I, Is that I, what facial hair means? I might shiv you. That's what he... Yeah. That's what that... It's, it's a little more... It's a little more exotic than what you got going on. Luke. Normally, yours is very mismanaged, like cables. But I, I trimmed right it up now, before you today. Are up. You are trimmed up. I didn't get the goatee though. Only one of yeah. us uses ball trimmers for that. Um, wow! Shout out to Nestor, Luke. Um, I like the art behind him. Right? He's well read. He's into like psychic readings. Not really my shit, Nestor, but uh, he likes women. You know. I like it when people send their fan subs, and then we can judge them based on yes. what's in their house. But I'm not even saying judge him fairly or accurately. Just judge him. Uh, thank you, Nestor, for wearing and yes, buying you, our sir. shit. Hopefully you got 20% off uh, on Monday for 100K. Thank you. Luke, the shirt looks good. Looks great on him. And uh, Yeah. Uh, David slides in. Hi, guys. As part of my anti-fatty liver campaign, gas stations, the silent killers, I decided to walk from the station to my new job 
in Luke's favorite European capital. Here I am spreading the MK <laughs> message in front of Cleopatra's needle and the Eiffel Tower. Speaking of erect moments, can you please start advertising Get, get Roman again? Um, wow. Does your dick not work? <laughs> Manscaped ball perfume. Shave turned, your gross balls. Turned my big DE into bad ED. Wow. Oh, and I could do with a predatory loan to pay for that ish. <laughs> Yours, the artist formerly known as French Uncle Pepe, and alarmingly now for referred to Brian, by Brian as that rapey French guy, Dave A. He's no longer putting his last name in the things, probably because you, you called him a French rapist. Probably, rape probably. But this is our expat friend who works in France. He's a teacher. He molds mon young minds. And Luke, look at him wear our shirt next to the fallacy of that arc right there. Sweet. That's great. Yep. That's that statue. Look at those eyes, Luke. Look yeah, there it is. That's the eyes of a murderer. <laughs> All right, uh, Scott sliding in with a live chat meme. Let's see it. Can't. So oh, here we go. Can you zoom I in? I used please? to be a. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Is this funny, Luke? I, to some, he spells al. He, look how he spelled alcoholic. He didn't spell it right. Alcoholic, alcoholic. Al I'm an alcoholic. Okay. Thank you. Um, thank you, Scott. All right. Luke Adams says, BC decision-making every episode of MK. Here's his meme. <laughs> yeah. 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 Squid yeah. Game. Yeah. This is from Squid Game. Yeah. You watch Squid Game I don't, but yeah. I've taken the red pill a few times. It's too. a Squid Game. I know that, I know that dilemma. Yeah. All right. Rob has two photos. Hey, MK team, the season of screams and scares is officially here. As Halloween is right around the corner, I've picked out some costumes for the boys. Luke as the classic cult icon, Ash Williams from Evil Dead, and Brian as Pennywise from Stephen King's It. Luke and Brian, could you tell us about your most memorable Halloween experiences, like favorite costumes, parties, and horror films? I don't think Cheers. I have a good one. Rob, that is scary. That is Jesus. scary as shit right there. Wow. Yeah. Pe By the way, Pennywise scares the frick out of me. Uh, I watched that movie in uh, the this version of it. I watched it actually in Colombia. The movie was called Eso. Like, Killer Clowns um, from Outer Space is fun. That's, like, you know, it's, like, goofy fun. This is sick shit. I haven't even seen the movie, but just this guy's face and, like, the... It's a little scary. It's a little scary for you. Um, I don't have any great... I never had a really good costume. Yeah, I didn't have great... I didn't really... I've not had bad Halloweens, but I don't have one that was, like, a grand Halloween. I'll something. tell you what. Remember, you know how there's an unofficial age, like, where you would stop buying, like, the the $3 costume that you can get at like your cheap Walmart equivalent department store and you actually like make your own. There's that age crossover where it's like okay to buy like the shitty one with the plastic mask and where you actually have to like try, right? Mm -hmm. I missed the memo on that. So I got invited, uh, I think it was like second or third grade to an actual Halloween party and I showed up in a GoBots costume. You remember GoBots, right? They were like the- I'm the, not sure I do. They were like the homeless alternative to Transformers. So not only did I have GoBots, which is like second grade, it's like beta compared to VHS, right? Beta or, Max. Yeah. yeah, or like beta compared to, uh, I actually got the wrong yeah. direction. Well, no, I, I, yeah, maybe, it was like, maybe I, a little, little Freudian <laughs> there. Freudian slip there. Um, but what I'm saying, Luke, is that um, I showed up in GoBots with the plastic mask oh, and like the, that like thing you, like the shirt that you slip into that's really like a rain tarp. And I just look like a piece of shit. And everyone there, Luke, 
had good ass costumes that their parents made with like the mark with like the colors on the face and they had the the thriller record. I'm so old that I went to a Halloween party with the thriller record and they just played the record over and over again and I stood in the corner while everybody else like hung out and laughed because I felt so self-conscious about my GoBots costume. I have had some I would like to make fun of you but I've yeah. had some, I've had some I've had some real what the fuck were you thinking yeah, yeah. kind of moments. Yeah. <laughs> and some of these things. I've done a lot of the I'm just not going to do the whole costume bit too, You're which like, is also a I'm going to be a college defensive coordinator. Mom's like, that's great. Which one? You're like, Sandusky. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> now that's scary, Luke, okay? <laughs> Should I just call HR now? On- all right, Jose A. is here. Um, hey, Donks, it's Jose Afonso here. This guy's becoming a, a regular here. Your number one fan from Brazil and certified BDE, Brian's do- doink every day. Donk every day. First of all, thank you so much for recognizing me as a regular of this show. I've been here since day one and haven't missed an episode. And for that, I have two memes this week for you guys. First time I have a request. Please do another year-end wrap-up show this year so newcomers are aware of how crazy and weird this show it's is. It's not a bad idea. The other meme is it's... Oh, so first, this is uh, the wrap-up show. Can we meme it? That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> that's, that's not wrong. Also, your haircut there is a little uh, drill instructor. Yeah, meets, it's very... Uh, um, it's very... Uh, what's that guy's name from the OKC bombing? Tim. Uh, uh, Tim Timothy... McVeigh. I was gonna say more Rosie very, O'Donnell. No, it's more. Uh, it's very McVeigh. That's when like they don't listen. You you want the mid fade and then you got you got the high. By the end of the haircut, you've enlisted. You, you got know? the high. Yeah. yeah you got All the right. Type. The second one is um, a knock on our favorite quasi bench Qatari bench presser. Luke, <laughs> you're truly a gem to the MMA world, and we love you. Not an artist like BC, but still pretty good. Keep up with the practices, and congratulations on the 100K. Everyone at the MK team, you truly deserve it. Jose, thank you for being our friend, okay? Luke, what do you think about this meme? It's fair. So really, you're saying Jose Afonso should step his meme game up, but thank you for the support. I mean, you know, listen, if we're going to insult the donks with cable management, they have a right to fire back. So, yeah, I can't, I also cannot remember a time I was, I mean, I can remember it, but I don't know what it's, I can't, I can't, uh, those those days are long gone. All All right. I wasn't always a Dodge Neon. I'm not saying I was a Corvette. You know I drove a Dodge Neon from age 21 to I, until I got married. You are a Dodge Neon. <laughs> yeah, but I had the salsa red Dodge Neon, so it looks look a little sexy, Luke. Right? Where were you on uh, if people unironically had the Volkswagen Beetles? Oh, that was big where I'm from. When we were kids, weren't Beetles like the rage, you know? Punch buggies? You're Punch buggies. Are you talking about the, fucking... the new ones or the old ones? Either. Yeah, they were big, but whatever. If you were like a if you were a drug rug. You probably drove a, a, a punch buggy in, uh, in my high school, you know? Okay. You were, you were cool. You slayed. Okay. Armando's here. Hello, Donk Commanders. I thought you might appreciate the references, but I love the show and have been watching since episode one. Let's see what this guy's got. Donk, this isn't 2000. It's time for some dad rock. Limp Biscuit, Foo Fighters, Dying Fetus. And then there's Cannibal Corpse in my hands. I like the Beavis and Butthead thing. I don't quite get the red eyes, but... Oh, are we high? I guess we're high, Luke, okay? (laughs) That would explain it. Uh, Jason's here. He says, what's going on, fellas? Jay from Boston, back for the fifth time. To begin, we all must testify and pay our respects to the new BC. Much respect to you, BC, for ridding your life of the sloppiness of the old guy slugfests and gas station food. We baptize you, my brother Brian, in the name of Father, Son, and street Jesus, 
Amen. That sounds a little sacrilege, but Luke, do you appreciate this meme just the same? They're, they're, they're washing me of my sins for liking BKFC 7-Eleven. Someone put some effort into it. Okay. okay. Put some effort into it. Next, I have to reignite the artistic fire that BC suggested a few weeks ago. After, That's funny. After filling in for Luke's live chat. The Thursday night live chat wars. It's time that BC gets in on the live chat game, and maybe it doesn't have to be every week, but a friendly competition every now and then would be a great addition to the MK content. Luke, I did petition to the show to have my own live chat and go head-to-head with you. I thought it would be great for really putting a line in the sand in our fans. Are you here for Luke or are you here for Beast? Like, are you, are you, are you Francesa or are you, are you Russo? You know what I'm saying? And uh, they, they turned me down. I mean, if, if you want to take that Pepsi challenge, we can do that if you want. I think you'd be very disappointed Luke, what you find Luke, over time, out. I think I would show you what time it is. I don't, at least I critically. Don't, at least critically. I don't think you would, bro. At least I think you'd be very disappointed with what the world shows you back. I looked up all the search terms that people use to find our uh, find our uh, channel. Yeah, your name doesn't fit in the top 150. Well, that's because that they they know me by you know various that? names okay. beyond my just so you know my government. I think mine is fourth or fifth, so I'll just put okay. that out there. Okay, um, we want to play that game. We can I'll play it. As Jason just told us here, Luke, I'm I'm not against it. Okay, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, it's, it's a good logo. I'll say that. You know, some people Luke look at their dreams as inspiration. And you look at it as inspiration. Oh, okay. Yeah, I dreamed about slicing you last night. Yeah, okay. Uh, Luke, um, lastly, just like you have said many times, BC. That's a good one. There really are Team Luke Donks and Team Brian Donks There's throughout not. the MK okay. universe. And I, I made it. some merch for each team. Thank you both, MK All Day, every fucking day. Luke, this is pretty do you, good. Do you need a hug, Brian? What's up? The voice of the voice of the voiceless. Yes, I, I, this is actually a pretty good t-shirt. We should, RJ, if you're watching, get on the MK site, get us something similar to this. It's not a bad shirt. Yeah. Not bad. I, I agree. All right, two more for you. Tanner says, hey, not sure. Wait, wait, wait. What's the one on the back of mine? Show me. <laughs> actually, we should straight up steal this idea. Uh, Go straight with these good. two right on the end. Uh, yeah, that's pretty you good. You know what? Whichever sells more, BC shirts or Luke Thomas shirts. We can donate the pro, the winner the some of the profit proceeds to um to domestic violence. Yeah, we certainly could. Okay. Anyway, Luke, here's Tanner. Hey, not sure if this fits more into DMs or fan submissions, but here it is regardless. Because of what he's told us, here's how I envision Luke telling his wife no, quite and the, the rest opposite. of his family that MK has reached 100. No, cents. in fact, I do I do exactly the opposite. I have learned the hard way not to tell them because the reaction is just routinely disappointing, so I've just I just keep it to myself. Okay. True, true story. I don't All tell. Right. Well, Luke, uh, oh, you know what? I put it on social media, so they saw it that way. But Luke, I didn't. We love you, and we thank you. By Thanks. the way, you sent me a very I know you sent back genuine, like, burr, burr. a very genuine text about like you know, bro, like you know, fuck all the hand clapping, hands on the backs, the bullshit. Yo, we made 100K, and that's because of you. It's not easy. And I love you. And it's I was just easy. like, you know, it's a little. And then he's like, I had a dream about stabbing you in <laughs> yeah, your face. Yeah, that, that didn't go out like that. Finally, Dylan says, hey, guys, big fan down here in little old New Zealand. Bringing the best show in MMA to the donks of the MK universe requires a real superhero effort. A superhero effort requires a superhero, or in this case, two washed 40-something superheroes this looks like a job for Fact Man and Nobbin. <laughs> Thanks for all your hard work. Holy Love this show. shit. Wow. <laughs> Quite candidly, Nobbin, I'd like to offer some facts, if I may. Holy, First. <laughs> Holy interrupting dick joke, Fact Man. Yeah, wow, I interrupted you before you even finished And the that. best part is they get, go back to the full screen if you can, please. They gave us, oh, they, they gave you 
the Joel Schumacher suit that has nipples. Look. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Luke. I don't have that. You know, that's not fun very functional on a man, though. Call me crazy. No, I don't think it is. Yeah. I think Joel Schumacher just was having a little fun. Yeah. Uh, right, that's Luke, a good one. Frack Man and Nobbin is a good one. You want to join this cavalcade of circus stars, morningcombat at gmail.com is the place to come and slide right in. Luke, I can't tell if us being in the studio today raised our game, if we gave a better show than normal, or if we... Yes, we did. Okay. Yes, we did. Okay. It was a good show today. Then my work here is done. So, uh, as a reminder, if you want to get some merch, which we don't quite have the I'm a Luke Thomas or B. Campbell that's thing. That's a good-looking shirt, though, right there. Yes, but you can get this one, Morning Combat Fight Club. Right now, you can go to morningcombat.store. And uh, you can pick one up. It's, well, actually, this is this is really the, this is my favorite piece of merch that we have. It's comfortable. Really? It's uh, it's nice. I like the, me the message is simple. I, you know what? When the I tend donk to wear, is not on it. I wear the white one that says uh, "MK, have a nice day." You know that one? Yes. Mm -hmm. I wear that one the most. I like that one. Uh, that's a good one. Too. Also, the one with uh, it's not in the store yet, for, but we have the markups. The one where it's just your glasses, yes. and it says "Morning Combat" in the in the in the shit. Yes, I don't think yes. that one's available yet. I don't think it's available I yet either. But we'll get we'll get it there soon enough. But there's plenty of good stuff, so go check that out. By the way, we'll have a big preview for the Bellator fights this weekend. Only one place to watch them: Showtime. Go to Showtime.com. Get a 30-day yeah. free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you may go somewhere else. We will be putting. Um, uh, Daniel inside of the lion's den when we do this resume review tomorrow. Let's see if the curses uh, can 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 end this guy, or do, or maybe Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego can come in there and uh, and get saved, saved by the fire. Luke, there's a lot of biblical cross references there. What I, I'm trying to say, I think you're just saying gibberish. Yeah, this probably as well. What I'm trying to say though is, uh, let's see if the resume review curse can go to eight and zero. We're gonna find out when we record tomorrow ahead of this fight. When do you want to announce who it is? Uh, not now. Yeah. Not now. Okay. Um, so let's yeah. see what else. We got the store, we got Showtime, we got the email. Oh, if you want a $50 Apple gift card, or no, sorry, $50 gift card, do us a solid. Go to Apple Podcasts, help us, uh, you know, interfere with the algorithm, basically yeah. just, you know, hack the whole thing by leaving us a nice five-star review. If they're funny, we'll give you a $50 gift card. I got gift. one more thing, Luke. It's not just the, the the viewers that I always want to thank the 100K the you know all that stuff. It's not just mm -hmm. you know Showtime and CBS and Malka the labels that pay us. It's not just you I want to thank for all of our success. One of our brethren, one of our teammates. It's not only his birthday today, but they told him he could stay home, but he wanted to come in anyway. It's our guy Gaff Gaffney Pierre. I'm sorry, I don't know who that is. Yes, uh, a producer extreme Gaff. Come on out here, and we. With our with our huge budget, wanted to pay tribute the only way we know how. Taking a stale donut and putting a calendar. Uh, uh, a can Gaff, what year is this for you on this earth? This is my 30th birthday. Happy 30. 30th birthday, Gaff. Wow. Former high school defensive end. Do you have COVID? No. Okay. Okay. Uh, Gaff, you do a little music on the side. Do you do you want to share your uh, your artist name with the people? Yeah, it's often spaced. Often spaced. Yeah, Okay. Okay. Uh, he's okay. got the MK hoodie yo, on. Yo, plug that shit. Okay. By the way, yeah. I'm told. I'm told that he had the day off, but insisted on in coming in because BC and I were here, or for other reasons that I'm I'm just making up. This is where you would make a wish, uh, hopefully involving Luke's downfall. <laughs> hopefully, but we'll see what happens here. You know, go for it, Gaff. This was to you. Happy birthday to Gaff, everybody. I won't Happy sing the whole thing, but please, blow us. <laughs> Very nice job. Very nice job. I wish.
Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that'll be that'll be hard for him. Not so difficult for me. Um, wow. All right. So there you have it. Happy birthday, Gaff. Feliz cumple and all. Hey, that Gaff stuff. is you know of all the people who deals with shit, that's the guy I send. Have you seen this shit too? And that guy just cleans that up beautifully. Yep. Uh, okay. All right. Well, with that out of the way, if I want to thank Showtime. I want to thank CBS Sports and Malka and Happy Birthday, Gaff. And to everyone out there, like the video, subscribe. That's Brian Campbell. we got a lot to do here for the next three days while we're here in Jersey City. So stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. Best place to do it, of course, will be all over social media and YouTube.com slash Morning Combat. VC, any final thoughts before we go? Chuck Mindenhall. See you soon, boy. See you soon. I back, Chuck. I back. Uh, all right. That's Brian Campbell. I'm Luke Thomas. Until next time, may all your gains be loyal. <laughs>